Hello and welcome to The Jarek Show. I am Javad Malik as always and uh, we are back. Uh, I'm trying to look for the intro here. Welcome to The Jarek Show featuring your hosts Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics poorly presented. I accidentally hit go live and I just rolled with it. So, so just bear with me, Eric. I know you were in the middle of texting your mom or something at that time. You know, one of these days you're actually going to pull that off and it's going to look good. Um, but until then, it's always the eyes to the side or something along those lines. But, you know, it goes along with our theme, right? Timely topics, poorly presented. You know, as uh, Malcolm Gladwell popularized in his book, and I know there's been debunked, but let's just go with it for the sake of the story that 10,000 hours is what you need to become proficient at anything. That's the difference between an amateur and a professional, 10,000 hours. So I'm sure by the time we reach our 10,000th episode, yeah. I would have nailed it, you know? I, We're on, what, episode 59 right now, I think, is what this one is. So, yeah, we got a little ways to go, folks. But thanks for bearing with us uh, throughout all this. I know that uh, for those doing this on the podcast, you may not see all of the silliness that Javad goes through every time he tries to start this show. But if you check out the video version on YouTube, you will see all of his gaffes. It's it's awesome. Maybe one day I'll compile all those for you, man. Thank you. Um, you know, I'd be afraid if I thought you were half competent to pull anything like that off. <laughs> anyway, ransomware gang threaten to leak data if victim contacts FBI or police. Yeah, comma, this is police. This is I, interesting. I, I, I keep thinking that there should be a longer list here. It's like FBI, comma, police. And that's it. That's the heading. Well, there's no period at the end. So it could just go on and on and on, right? You know, yeah. um, a local constable or I don't know, whatever that, whatever you want to say. With yes. It. But <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting story. I mean, you know, ransomware, we, we've talked a lot about ransomware. I've pretty much given up on not having an episode without ransomware on it <laughs> at this point. You know, every time I go to a talk uh, and a session, like I was just down at, in Fort Lauderdale yesterday doing one, of course, people want to hear about ransomware. Okay, so let's give them what they want. But this is an interesting twist now that they're they're trying to uh, to leverage the data again. And this makes me think of all the pressure that law enforcement has been putting on some of these groups. Like we talked about Ziggy, uh, the ransomware group that ended up dumping all of the decryption keys and stuff like that because, well, they were feeling the heat from law enforcement. We saw what happened to Darkseid, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but this is an interesting angle to try to get law enforcement off their backs. Um, you know, how do they yeah. know if they contacted I well, don't know. That's it. And and I was just about to say, what if you call up Mandian instead of law enforcement? And there's this statement uh, on, on the screen for those of you with uh, uh, color televisions uh, living in the 21st century, uh, you, <laughs> rather than your old timey radio. There's a there's a statement uh, by Ragnar Locker. In our practice, uh, we has facing uh, with the professional negotiators much more often in last days. Unfortunately, it's not making the process easier or safer. On the contrary, it's actually making it worse. Such negotiators are usually working in recovery companies, affiliated or even working directly with the police, FBI, investigation agency, etc. They're not interested in commercial success of their clients or in safety of their private data. 
so from this moment, we warn all of our clients don't work with these companies. So I think it's a yeah. pretty blatant and obvious threat that says don't get these people involved. Uh, I assume yeah. maybe because they feel they can intimidate and scare a you know untrained small medium business into paying up a lot more. You know, and and it goes further than the headline by saying negotiators, right? So mm. that's the gist of this. And there there have been people that have popped up now. You know, their services for negotiating ransomware. What a wonderful world we live in, right? Um, you know, and I can see them being involved in law enforcement and stuff. But here's the deal: unless it's like a a million dollar ransom sort of thing, right? You're going to notify the FBI, and a year later they're going to get back to you and say. Oh, hey, about that thing, or you know, whatever. They're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything. And and I actually had a discussion. Um, there were several people having a discussion yesterday with some FBI agents that were at this talk in Fort Lauderdale, and and they said, look, we're we're not going to be here to help you recover. You know, we're we're gathering information. It's not that we don't want to. We don't have the resources to do it. But you know, we're gathering information. We're doing that kind of stuff. But we're not necessarily a part of the recovery process. And, you know, the FBI, their, their game is, uh, you know, don't pay the ransom. That's their, what they stick to. And they're not going to negotiate, um, necessarily. I don't think, um, I mean, if, if one of our listeners or viewers out there, uh, has seen different, you know, prove me wrong, please. But generally speaking, they're just there to gather the data, maybe come up with some IOTs, maybe do something and put out one of those InfraGuard flash alerts or something that's like, here's the IOTs you're looking for. This is what we're seeing. Don't expect them to come in. So it's interesting that they called that out a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, I think on the bigger ones, you're going to have more involvement. But if you're a regular schmo business, you ain't going to call the FBI anyways, right? So I think, I think one thing that I, I'm concerned about with this kind of approach and this whole and ransomware as, as as a business altogether is the lack of accountability or transparency there is. So you have potentially large hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of payment going out. And we've spoken about this before. So if you work in a company and say you're the MD and you want to pay yourself something, but you you know want to not do it through official channels you can potentially infect your own organization with ransomware, uh, make the payment out, and then, you know, put it through some mixers and 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 you've got it. Yeah, or Pay yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, what's even better is you could infect your organization, call me in as a ransomware negotiator, yeah. I I bring the payment down from 5 million to a mere 2 million. So you've still taken that 2 million from the company and I bill you half a million or whatever, 100,000. I'm happy, you're happy. And on top of it, your payment of ransomware may be tax deductible according to some tax experts. So the IRS hasn't given down um, uh, definitive statements, but several tax advisors have felt that you know it should be a tax deductible expense i mean i would assume it would go against your earnings versus you know your profit side of things for that i don't know but here's the deal <sighs> ransomware is some just some nasty stuff it really is and and what you're talking about there is incredibly nefarious javad um brilliant but nefarious 
Um, you're right. People could game that all day long, right? They could pay themselves. Um, and then they could say, oh, I didn't contact law enforcement because we weren't supposed to, right? Um, there's lots of kind of stuff that, that people could do on that. Now, interestingly enough, I mean, I got to wonder if uh, cyber insurance is going to pay if you haven't contacted law enforcement. So, I mean, that's another angle to this is if you're relying on your cyber policy to pay this thing, is that something that they're going to do if you say, no, no, we haven't called the cops. Cut us a check for, you know, two and a half million. Here's an email that says we need that, right? I mean, yeah. there's an easier way to do it. <laughs> exactly. Call the cops or one of their approved negotiators. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's another angle to that um, that I don't know if the if the Ragnar Locker folks are are thinking about um, that, that may kneecap them. Because honestly, most of the money they're making is coming out of insurance, or at least a lot of it is coming out of these insurance claims. That's it. That's it. And speaking of ransomware, keeping the thread going, because we could speak about this all day. Revels, our Revel, Revels, ransomware servers mysteriously come back online. It's very mysterious. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I'm thinking, you know, Halloween's coming. Uh, We could resurrect these again for the holiday like that. But um, it's it's interesting. So there's a couple of uh, things that I've I've heard on this. uh, People thinking about, oh, well, hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe the law enforcement is bringing them back up to try to do something about this or, you know, something along those lines. So is it really Revel that's doing it or... You know, maybe they're bringing it up. So some of these organizations that paid the ransom got the key, but couldn't do it because the infrastructure was down. Maybe they're going, okay, now go out and do this here real quick and decrypt your stuff. I don't know, but it is kind of interesting that all of a sudden these things pop back online. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, or it could be someone capitalizing on, you know, someone else, a third party that's got access to it or or whatever, or claiming to be, you just don't know. And that's the whole thing. There's so much ambiguity. There's so much muddying of the waters in this online world. You know, as, yeah, when, especially when you're talking about stuff like this, there's players all over the world. Um, there's there's money moving all over the place. It, it's crazy how much this stuff is bringing in for, you know, for these folks. And, you know, they're paying off local folks. You know, they're paying off anyone in law enforcement they can. You got groups like we've seen over in the, you know, in the Russian side, where if you have a Cyrillic keyboard connected or, you know, installed on your machine, it won't attack it. You know, you can't tell me they're not backing some of that from, you know, at least the nation states going, no, 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 you're good. Uh, just just don't hit us. You know, we see all this stuff. It is such a complex thing. It, it started off so simple. You know, it was malware. You click it, it fires off. It just starts encrypting everything it can find, right? But modern ransomware... They're getting in, then they're cruising around for a while. They're infecting backups. They're staying, they're laying low, getting dormant, infecting that stuff for a long time. You know, it's like a 200-day 200, 200 dwell time on average um, for attackers these days. And they're using that time to spot the stuff, and then they're hitting it really hard, right? It's changed. And the money, though, that that is going out, I mean, the early stuff was 500000 bucks a machine, something like that, you know, no big deal. Uh now, though, we're talking about huge numbers, and that's because they've just gotten so much better. I have no idea where I'm going with this. It's sort of a little mini rant. I know. Um, I know. I, I That's why I just pulled my desk down, and I sat down, and I'm like listening to Uncle or Grandpa Eric telling me a story. 
I get so frustrated with ransomware. I really, really do. Especially when I hear the stories of the smaller organizations getting hit by this crap, you know, and the fact that everyone feels so damn helpless about it. It just ah, drives me crazy. It gets under my skin, man. Almost as much as horrible airlines. Yeah. You're such a capitalist, isn't it? It's okay when the government rips you off, but when some small entrepreneur wants to set up their ransomware cottage industry, you get all riled up. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. All right. So off that, off that topic, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Chabad? Uh, you, you really want me to add more thoughts? You want us to lose the last couple of listeners being got. <laughs> but, you know, there's a series, a short documentary series on Netflix called Cocaine Cowboys. I don't know if you've seen it. Nope. It's uh, your neck of the woods, Miami. And it's about two guys that became the biggest um, drug distributors in the 80s. They were two friends and they even uh, they were even speedboat champions. So they used to take so they had so much money, they'd put it into speedboats and then they'd be racing speedboats and they'd be winning. Anyway, you, you you talk about the, the, the documentary is really uh, impressive, and they were typically they were non they were a non-violent organization. They just had so much money they would pay off everybody. So yeah. they paid off law enforcement, they paid off judges, they even bought a jury at one point. Uh, um, like absolutely incredible. They had the best lawyers, so they got them off every single charge there was. They had faith off. But in the community, they were regarded as heroes because they would help out the community so much. Like someone would say, Oh, I've got like, you know, my, my son's got a ten thousand dollar like you know, you know, college fee that he can't afford. And he goes, Ten thousand, give him thirty thousand, and you know, <laughs> off he'd go and what have you. But it just goes to, I, I think what the point I'm making is that when you have money. Uh, that much money at your disposal when you can start paying off people options open up all over the place and it becomes really really difficult to to nail you even in the end a bit like Al Capone they couldn't actually indict them on any of the actual charges they, they had to bring secondary charges tertiary charges in and throw the book at them and, and this is what I think has happened to ransomware gangs we've passed the tipping point they, they're actually making like you know hundreds of millions you know, or 50 yeah. million, ten, tens of millions at least uh, a year. So they now have the skills, they have the money to get them the options to buy law enforcement, ISPs, secure hosting, uh, and hire some of the best talent off the market. Yeah. And here we are scraping together 20 bucks to have Fiverr redo our logo, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's what I think. We're in the wrong business, business, man. What are we doing? <laughs> Social experiment. <laughs> See, oh, for man. those of you that are watching in the that corner up there, corner. <laughs> is the new and improved Jarrett Show logo that Eric put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears into making it. And it's still wrong because underneath it, there's our you strap line, time between, <laughs> and it's in black on a black background, <laughs> so you can't see it. <laughs> have to work on that. Okay, we'll we'll make some little uh, adjustments to that one. But typical yeah. American vet, black on black is your jam man yeah we got a little work to do on that but uh all things said and done look at it folks isn't it wonderful okay so last story um because i have to go return a rental car um <laughs> here pretty soon um hackers leak vpn account passwords from eighty-seven thousand fortinet fortigate devices can you can you guess if you're not reading the story if you haven't already can you guess how they ended up getting these passwords 
dictionary attack. Nope. They ask them nicely. <laughs> unpatched devices. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Right? <laughs> See, unpatched against that CV up there. <sighs> There's and, a and this, And, you know, it's we, we often talk about password reuse in uh, the user sense. Yeah. There's an awful lot of password users in enterprise accounts as well. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's a lot of it's down to legacy systems where they've hard coded some passwords in and now they don't know where it is and they're too scared to change it because something might break on this uh, you know, Unix system that they haven't patched since 1998. Right. And, and, and they keep resetting the date every year because they're not sure how it will deal with the millennium bug. So Still running it's... Mandrake Linux from you know way back in the day, right? Yeah. No, you're you're right. And you know, I think about this a lot of times with people in um like service accounts, you know. How many people use the same password for service accounts throughout their organization? Okay, mm. so your service account is the same as, oh, I don't know, EA admin, you know, your your uh, enterprise admin accounts. <laughs> or, you know, they, they get this, like, major password and then just use it everywhere. Why? Because it's simple, because you know it's there. I see it with, uh, I've seen it with MSPs, too, um, something to watch for, where yeah. they use the same account passwords for their different customers. And maybe that individual that has all of the, um, rights and all these other customers, but man, if that account gets hit, bad days for several people. Um, it, it's one of these things that, uh, you know, password management has always been a pain in the butt. Um, but we still see so much go on just because of poor password management. Um, you know, people reusing stuff across the way, or like you said, you know, and people are afraid to change those, those service accounts, right? They finally gave any, any to that account so that it would work. <laughs> <laughs> Now nobody wants to go mess with it, right? It's it's already got like admin privileges. That's the only way you got it to work. So you can move on to the next thing. Um, we we all know that happens. I think I think you know. Raise your hand if you've if you've done that before. I'll admit it. You know, yeah. you're just like, okay, it works. I'm out of here. Um, what are you gonna do? Um, here we are though. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's just I just remember like getting, you know, being on call. Like this is back in the early two thousands. And on-call was a big thing because you'd get one week out of five because it rotated around the team. So we had one laptop. We had one big fat laptop that, and it had a the RSA, not the RSA. It had a different, it was a different company called Defender. And they had like a challenge response. So you'd get the challenge on the screen and you type it into the keypad and then it generate the response. So you needed a pin to get, anyway, you'd get home, you'd have to use the dial up. Like, mom, get off the phone. I'm trying, yeah. to, <laughs> trying to resolve something for work. Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I remember it was like 2 a.m. one night and I just could not sort out this one issue. And I remember I had to call up my my team leader at 2 a.m. And I, I was just like, oh, right. Because, you know, when someone wakes up, and like, yeah. And he's trying to be really polite, but I could just. Yeah tell he's just like so vexed like what's this kid doing calling me up i can't do it and then he's like oh have you tried this have you tried that and because it was only one laptop it's not like he could have logged on and seen what was going on yeah in the end he said look just just put any any on it and it should work <laughs> and then and he goes like put a note in on the, on the thing and like you know we would we'll, we'll sort it out first thing in the morning at work but... well how many times does that happen let's let's make it admin or any any this thing you yeah. know, just let let's and it gets things back up and running, which gets your boss off your back. 
But then the next fire happens and people forget mm -hmm. that. And that's where we see a lot of this stuff that goes wrong with, mm -hmm. you know, permissions and, and all that. And I can only imagine in the S3 bucket um, world, <laughs> that's, a, that's the same sort of thing goes on out yeah. there where we always read about unsecure S3 buckets. Well, somebody's changed that permission for a reason um, and maybe forgot about it. Yep. We can always blame the intern. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a tried and tested method. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you yes. an intern eric i've been an intern ish <laughs> well <laughs> let me put it to you this way my title has never been intern but i've certainly gone into places that i had no idea what the hell i was doing <laughs> you just gotta fake just, it you know just like this podcast right exactly, exactly exactly he agrees he doesn't belong here so we're kicking him out thank you so much for joining us we'll be back next week you've been watching the joke show